they're happy, I think, with where, you know, interest rates are. We may see some very small rate hikes moving forward, but we're definitely, you know, if we're going back to COVID, we're flattening the curve on, on the rates and how fast those rate hikes are coming, um, you know, and, and to the point where, you know, a lot of us have always said the only reason they're raising rates is now is so they can lower them again later. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Mark is here with you for Arcadia Economics and excited to have my friend Steve Cope of Silver Viper joining us again on the show as we dig into some of the latest silver news that is going on out there. We're recording as of Thursday morning, shortly after there was an inflation report that came out, which showed that at least according to the CPI, prices fell slightly and had an interesting chart pattern with uh, gold and silver spiking up for a bit and then coming right back down. But we will dig into all those things and more with Steve. So Steve, great to have you back on the show and happy new year to you. And how is everything going today? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Happy new year to you as well and all your, your viewers. Um, yeah, it's going well. Interesting day. You know, I'm glad that they somehow didn't hammer us down. So we're way down on the day, given the news. But um, yeah, interesting trading and nice to see that it's rebounding from the pushback down and we're you know pushing up into those new levels higher than we were at last year so i mean last time we talked we were about to break even on metals prices and and now we're a little bit ahead of that so it's trending in the right direction yeah well as we uh, mentioned just before we hit the record button certainly uh interesting past four months going back to september when we had silver prices under 18 dollars for a little bit and with silver at 24 today it's Decent 33% rally gold, as we will dig into, has also touched back above 1900, which all just pretty interesting, especially given that we still have the Fed hiking, no less. But either case, uh, as I mentioned on Thursday morning, we did have the latest CPI report out showing consumer prices fell 0.1% in December, which was in line. And on an annual basis, the headline CPI still up 6.5% over a year ago. Uh, the core, where you strip out food and energy, at 5.7%. And there was an interesting note I saw here that I thought would be interesting to get your comment on. Because looking at, here's the last 12 months of these readings, and Craig Hemke in his column pointed out how right now with that six and a half percent, you're still including all of these. But as we get towards the end of the year and drop out some of these bigger figures, especially the 9.1%, at least plausible that we can see that those CPI readings and the Fed's uh, PCE deflator showing a lower inflation rate, whether that means that the world is good and Inflation is actually under control. We'll we'll leave aside, but at least as we've heard people talk constantly about the Fed pivoting, again highly contingent upon inflation numbers coming down. Case to be made that things are well on track for that. And curious your thoughts on all of this and where we may be headed in terms of inflation and how the Fed might respond, which again remains one of the key drivers for the metals pricing. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're 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 basically saying what you're saying, but the, the fed has already kind of from what you can, when you read between the lines of the things they're saying, they're, they're already ready to pivot. They're, they're happy. I think with where, you know, interest rates are, we may see some very small rate hikes moving forward, but we're definitely, you know, if we're going back to COVID and we're flattening the curve on, on the rates and how fast those rate hikes are coming. 
um, you know, and, and to the point where, you know, a lot of us have always said their only reason they're raising rates is now is so they can lower them again later and get back to a normal, you know, economy is that people are hurting with the interest rates up where they are. I mean, you can see it in the housing market up here in Canada. Um, I think Canada has been as aggressive or even more than the U.S. And in, in our case, our mortgage rates are a lot higher than what they are in the U.S. So you've seen the mortgage rates coming down throughout the last year in the U.S. And that hasn't been the case here in Canada. They continue to go up with each rate hike, which has really put a lot of pressure on, you know, the people that have been able to buy homes in this country. And now all of a sudden they're hitting trigger points on their mortgages and they're, you know, doubling their payments over and they're, they can't afford them. So this, this rate hike has been really bad for economies and people's quality of living. And again, I think there's a lot of pressure on the governments to, to turn that around and get people back to somewhere normal. Um, and like I said, the U.S. has been showing signs that they plan on, you know, slowing, if not stopping interest rate hikes moving into this year. We may see, like I said, one or two more very small ones, maybe quarter point type hikes. And then I think you're going to see a period of not a lot of change for the remainder of the year. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm going to pull up the dollar index chart here where we see, again, this is as of Thursday morning, dollar index down uh, 69 cents. And while the Fed, uh, again, they're still hiking and talking about hiking, yet we see the light at the end of the tunnel, whereas in Japan, they finally allowed their interest rate on their 10-year bond to go up, still a small amount, but up to uh, 50 basis points. ECB giving the indication that they still have a ways to go, which really could set up the dynamic that the dollar index could be falling lower going forward, which... Obviously, when we've seen how gold and silver have traded pretty much inversely of the dollar index, uh, another thing that gives us a little hope going forward for the metals prices. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, again, we've seen the throughout COVID and, and to today, the people fleeing to the U.S. dollar as their safe haven, you know, and again, as we move forward, I think, you know, the more and more smart people that are reading what's going on around the world, they're seeing you know, the talk of, you know, what China and Russia are doing, what, you know, what the BRICS nations challenging the U.S. dollar in trade and, you know, removing it as the petrol, like it's, it's all signs are pointing that things are changing and that U.S. dollar should be weakening given the debt in the U.S., given, you know, what else is happening in the world. It seems crazy to me that people still flock to the U.S. dollar as their safe haven, because I think we're getting closer and closer to the point where, you know, that's changing. It certainly as a standalone, you know, world currency it, it may be part of a basket moving forward but things are changing and they're changing quite quickly yeah well it's an interesting dynamic because you have so much dollar denominated debt out there so i wonder if they're going to the u.s dollar as a safe haven or just more so because they're forced to in many cases yet despite all of that happening as i did mention earlier we actually saw on Thursday gold pop back above $1,900, close to its all-time high. Again, 1900 was the high back in 2011, so level that I think has some significance. Again, the price did go over 2000 a couple of times. But are you surprised that given the higher interest rates you know, and still a couple more hikes to come, that gold has been able to do as well as it has and that we're sitting here, you know, at the time of this recording, 1897, so still very close. And thoughts on just the fact that we've been able to make it back over 1900? It's definitely, I mean, it's definitely an important psychological number for investors and seeing it, you know, the way it's moved up in the last couple of months is, de is 
quickly as it has is, is also a good sign that we're trending towards, you know, better markets. Um, I mean, again, it's tough. Like you say, you know, we, we were at 1900, you know, in 2011. Well, what have we been talking about before this is inflation (laughs) and you're going through over 10 years, you know, of inflation that's driven up the costs on all these producers. And you're, you're at a point where, you know, at 1900 now they need much higher numbers in metals just to really make a good go of it. They're, they're making money at 1900 on the gold side, but you know, those margins should be a lot bigger and need to be a lot bigger, you know, for the business models to be sustainable moving forward. Because well, the other thing that's happening in the industry is that costs are going up, you know, and the cost of the deposits and the grades are coming down. So it's going to cost more and more to operate these mines to bring out gold or bring out silver from the ground. And, you know, we need to see dramatic increases in metals prices moving forward as an industry for, you know, the mining companies to make money and investors to make money investing in them. Yeah, and we did have an interesting note here from Metals Focus mentioning production costs have now caught up with prices, leading to a compression of industry margins. Now, this is on the gold side. They mention on this basis, average margins for 12 major producers covered in our report fell by 76%, down to $39 an ounce. They said Q3 2021. We were wondering if maybe that was supposed to be 2022 when... A lot of those inflation pressures were really hitting. Um, in either case, I was surprised to hear that the number would be that low, especially for the gold miners. But speaks to what you were saying at how it even at the, the higher prices now, still getting close to the cost of production and not really going to be helping the supply, you would think. No, it's they, they need higher prices. The expectation is that higher prices will come. And at some point, you know, what's your choice? You're not all these mines aren't going to operate at a loss as we continue to have inflation and costs around the board, you know, whether it's salaries or fuel costs or everything else continue to taxes or everything that, that exists for these miners. Um, they need the prices to go up and they should be you know steadily increasing, at least with inflation year over year. And that hasn't been the case. You know, we've had these wild swings in metals prices, but, you know, for the guys that are doing the produ- the production, you know, they need some consistency. And they, you know, it's why when you look at majors and they're evaluating new projects, they use such low gold numbers, you know, in their resources and their modeling behind a project because they're trying to build in these massive swings. Um, but, you know, the inflation that we have seen over the last decade, you know, still a roads away all those you know safeguards they put in so yes that the safeguards have worked they're still making a profit at 1900 or you know 1800 and some gold depending on when that year actually is in that article but it's coming down and it's going down by year so we need dramatic swings in gold and to set new lows and to certainly push to new highs um one to trigger the new assets coming on like i said because they're just going to come more it's more expensive and and you're going to get less returns because the grades across the world are coming down so again, I think that's a good spot for investors to be in and being contrarian and still seeing gold and silver where they are. And we know it's even worse on the silver side for production and the costs and what's needed for them to make a go of it. Um, and the supply of silver for new projects is far less than what's out there for gold as well. So again, it's it's why we're all here, why we all believe in these metals and are investing in them because it's a ticking time bomb and it has to go up and it has to go up in a you know pretty substantial way. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the silver side there because now around $24 silver, a little more room yet. I don't get the feeling, and certainly from the conversations I've had, that it's not as if there's a bunch of new silver projects being launched. 
in your opinion, is there a certain level that silver needs to reach before we see more activity going on there? Is it that silver needs to stay at a certain level for a longer period of time? Or what do you think it takes in silver before we see more projects getting back out there? I mean, in the in the short term for the producers, I think they want to see 30. I mean, I think I think 30 is a big number psychologically for everyone to sustain and hold it you know, above that number. At that point, you know, the silver producers are the primary silver producers. Obviously, the guys, you know, a lot of silver production is a byproduct and whatever silver is trading for is great because it's just, you know, it's coming out. It's something they're recovering. You know, their models are based on whatever their primary metal is, whether that's gold or copper or zinc or whichever, you know, depending on the mine. But the primary silver producers, which we see, they struggle. <laughs> they are still struggling down at these prices. Um, you know, more and more of the silver producers you've seen over the years, their gold content has gone up. You know, Pan Americans, the number one, number two silver producer in the world right now, and their production's over seventy percent gold. Um, you know, Fresnillo's number one; they're increasing on their gold side. You look to the, you know, the primary silver producers are smaller and smaller in market cap, and you know, when they're compared to the gold companies, are you know, mid-tier producers. And you're getting into the first Majestics, the Endeavors, the Heclas, the Coors. You know, these are all companies, but a lot of them are transitioning more and more towards being gold dominated and losing that that primary silver focus. So if they want to continue to be primary silver, you know, companies, they need much higher prices because silver hasn't made those jumps and it's expensive. And it's like I said, even harder to find than gold in the ground. Now, I, I remember we've, I've looked at it before, but I think it's extracted closer to a 10 or 11 to one basis to gold. And yet you're trading at, you know, 80 or 90 to one on the ratio given the, given the day right now. So it's something that dramatically has to change on the silver side and for you know either we're going to lose the primary silver miners and they'll just you know go away and become gold miners that have silver byproducts but I, something has to change if they're going to continue to you know operate these primary silver mines and they're needed you know if we continue to move towards this this green movement you need silver and we need people that are focused on producing silver to start supplying what's needed for infrastructure what's needed and the electronic components of these vehicles and solar and health and medical um like we said we've talked about in the past we're already operating at a deficit and that deficit's only going to get larger as you don't bring on new projects that have large silver components to them yeah that that certainly is one of the things that i've found interesting since early on when i got into this how so much of the silver consumed as opposed to the gold where counting more on the investment side ha have you seen as we've seen these inflation numbers come down a little bit any easing of any of the costs on the silver side for the different things that the companies have to spend for is it still generally I mean, pretty high yeah, if you were negotiating a new drilling contract, you might be able to factor in a slightly lower fuel cost. But I mean, when we were looking at those inflation numbers, I think one of the the important notes on that was the only reason they really came down was because fuel costs had come down. I mean, you still go to a grocery store and you want to talk about food, and I'm I look at the grocery store up here, and food costs to me still seem to be skyrocketing. I think we were laughing around Christmas, and a head of cauliflower up here cost like eighteen dollars or something insane because there was some weird shortage or something going on but you know it's you go to the store and every time you go to the store and you look at what you get for a hundred dollars at a grocery trip and it's less and less and it's less and you know i don't know how a lot of families get by on that it's it's you know when we're looking at it and and then i'd start saying you're not buying this at the grocery store anymore go to 
you know, forget organic peanut butter, go to regular. <laughs> like my wife was buying almond butter and I saw a $15 a jar. And I was like, forget that. Like, it's just craziness what some stuff is costing at the store. And, and so again, the inflation is there. Inflation is very, you know, alive. Those numbers, like I say, you know, fuel costs can jump up and down, but at the same token, I, I've read articles that think fuel is going to skyrocket again this year. And so what's that going to do for their inflation numbers and what they look like? Yeah, and that was one of the things they mentioned in today's reading, a lot of that based on the lower oil price. Although, Steve, as you mentioned earlier, whether people are still looking to the treasuries and dollar as the safe haven. Interesting note here from Luke Groman, where he said commodities over U.S. treasuries, as there was an article that came out. Uh, a couple of days ago, Saudi Arabia seeks 170 billion of mining investment by 2030. And I think it was you who mentioned on the show uh, a little while ago that Canada, your government there looking at some strategic metals. Of course, they did not mention silver yet. Just interesting in parts of the globe where we see less of the reliance on the petrodollar agreements with China and and deals with the eastern side of the globe that what are they spending a lot of money on here is is digging up some of these metals that as we're going greener, um, we're going to need. So seems like a bit of a different environment in other parts of the world than we're seeing here in the West. Yeah. And I mean, again, you mentioned China being the big player and all of that. And China, you know, over the last decade plus has made a living off of going and operating in countries where they can operate, you know, their way where they're not, you know, encumbered by the ideals of the West and can go in, you know, into, you know, countries in Africa and, you know, build a city and then all of a sudden be exporting, you know, with zero tax on their exports in that, you know, particular country. And they've been very smart. They bring in their own workers, they bring in their own workforces and, and you know, pay them in a very different way than any of the Western companies would pay them and treat them so again they they've been very smart uh, i guess in a way and ruthless but picking those countries that they can go and operate in and know that they can operate and, and dictate how things will work in certain countries and you know they their production has boomed because of it where you know western mining companies can't go in and can't do that they won't operate we have you know rules that we have to answer to to our governments on they you know don't have the same human rights opinions that we do over here and and, you know, you know, some can argue that's going to be the downfall of the West is the fact that, you know, we can't compete with the East based on, you know, our, our ideals. And, and I, I agree with our ideals, but it's hard to compete in business with them, you know, when they can go in and go into these countries and basically take everything they want for a very low cost. Well, does it set your mind at ease at all that we find out Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to stay on as Biden's request? As the showdown over the new debt ceiling limit, I guess we're getting close to hitting that again. Uh, so <laughs> that sets your mind at ease at all to know that Janet is still going to be manning the ship there. Oh, I'm thrilled. <laughs> Just so much confident in anything that's going on in, in the Democratic side of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, and again, uh, as that debt ceiling nears, again, we see something that gets brought up from time to time. but the spending on servicing the debt expense here in the U.S. has obviously gone up quite a bit, getting higher with the higher rates. And then as you uh, tack on all the new debt that's coming out, as uh, I'm guessing we don't hit the debt ceiling and all of a sudden get a balanced budget or anything like that, 
last one to run by you here. Just if you had any comments, we've kept an eye on the declining inventories. Finally, a month on the LBMA where things leveled out a bit, although it's been quite a decline over the past two years in London, as we've seen metal come out of there. Similar with really a, a sharp drawdown ever since that silver squeeze, amazingly, almost two years ago now, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> but as we see India and other places importing a lot of silver, any thoughts on these declining inventories and perhaps where more silver would be coming from? Or if that becomes an issue that does force the price to move higher at some point? I think you hit it right there. I mean, that again, I think a lot of this silver is moving east. It's being accumulated by those countries gearing up for, you know, one, just to have it as strategic, you know, in the case of silver, you know, the uses and, and manufacturing everything they're going to need it for, but also, you know, to back currencies. And I, I we've kind of we've seen the talk, you know, we've seen Russia and China talking about their, you know, precious metals back currency with the BRICS nations. Um, so of course it makes sense for them to be all accumulating as many of these ounces as possible to put them, you know, if they're going to back and have it a, you know, some sort of functional price that isn't, you know, some astronomical number that gold and silver are being valued at. But again, I mean, where's it going to come from? There's no, you're not going to get silver to replace that. And, and it becomes harder and harder every year. And so you either need prices to skyrocket, which I think they will, because that's what those countries want that are accumulating want to have happen. But, you know, we, we don't have the projects and it takes a long time to get projects into production. So even if the ones that are out there that are quality, that would make a go of it at today's prices, you know, permitting and everything else, you're talking about years and years to get those things into production to start making a dent on, you know, this deficit that we're seeing um, as we move forward. And you mentioned Canada partnering with the U S and starting to identify, I mean, to me, if they believe that these countries are going to back, you need to see gold and silver as strategic metals that they should be investing in as well to guarantee that those com those companies will be selling their gold and silver to the U.S. or the Canadian government to hold, you know, for manufacturing or for, you know, just backing whatever they need to back in when their reserves. So it's all going to change and we're getting closer and closer the more and more we see, you know, these various things happening but that's a shocking that stockpile going down as dramatically it is is a very shocking number yeah and uh, i guess we'll see if we get any comment from janet yellen or others in the canadian american governments about any thoughts on silver and gold although fortunately for you you've positioned yourself and your company well as one of the projects that is going after gold and silver deposit and you actually had some news out on Thursday morning that perhaps you could touch on as you had some results from your geophysical and geochemical survey at La Virginia. And perhaps you could walk people through the latest news there. Yeah, I mean, this is this has been the ongoing work at the project while we've paused drilling is just to really start understanding a lot of the surrounding targets away from our, our El Ruby discovery and, and that portion of the deposit. And it's really been eye-opening as we, the more and more, you know, we fine-tuned our sampling and combined it with the geophysics and starting to find these, you know, new zone after new zone at surface that are hitting some pretty nice numbers and that, you know, very much have the potential to be new discoveries when we, you know, start drilling them. Um, you know, the El Molino area, which you can see on the map there is up in the kind of right in the middle of that image 
highly perspective, especially the southern end of it, where we're seeing these parallel breaches structures all come together. And our breaches structures tend to be where our highest grades are. The that Los Cantiles El Oriental shocked us. Some of the grades that we saw down there that you can see in the press release, you know, that that one has been an area we haven't focused on that much. Uh, it actually has pretty easy access. There's a road that goes right beside those. Um, but we thought those were probably too far west of the main structure. But the fact of what they're running at and, and you know, there's a couple old workings there and the dump piles and that and the grades that we're seeing, I mean, those definitely are producing some very interesting numbers and warrant going back in and drilling. The Macho Libre area, which is two kilometers long, has been producing again, on the southern end of it, some very nice numbers that were, and is an area we're very interested in. And that Macho Libre trend is very important because it comes into that El Ruby, where our El Ruby deposit where we made our discovery. You know, it comes in on a north-south basis where the El Ruby structure is kind of more bending to the west and where those two come together, you know, it's which trend is more important. And it may be that the Macho Libre trend is more of the dominating trend that carries a lot of mineralization. So there's just, and that's just some, I mean, there's, Lots of new areas that are popping up. Our understanding of the entire package, the the project as a whole, and how it relates to you know the historic area that's off this image further to the southeast, where Pan American and Mine Finders had their exploration, made their discoveries at Las Huates and Con Virginia. You know, it's it's a massive land package, and it's you know something we've always said. Like, there's so much mineral activity on this project that we know we're going to make additional discoveries as we move forward and grow this. You know dramatically in size we've already got a resource of 700,000 gold equivalent ounces right now or 49 million silver equivalent but we've done a bunch of drilling since then that will have expanded that by quite a bit and and we're seeing here the you know just how much prospect there is to increase that dramatically as we find additional L rubies or additional Las Watas and Convergenias around this whole package and then you know you can see Ruby North another area that's barely been tested you know, we hit mineralization a few holes we put up there, but that's at the end of our flat plateau of El Ruby and continuing it's two kilometers away from El Ruby, highly perspective. And then off the plateau sampling has shown that mineralization continues going along that same trend, that direction, all the way up to La Gloria, which is a three kilometer by three kilometer zone of alteration. That's a big porphyry target that, you know, again, is speaking to the mineral activity happening on the project. So it's, it's a project that needs lots of work. Um, you know, we're off to a great start and, and we're positioning ourselves to really be, you know, accurate. And, and when we do spend the, the money on drilling, you know, this year, it's going to be very targeted and very, you know, to our best possible bets of making new discoveries. Yeah. And uh, certainly, again, when you mix that in with some of the economic and geopolitical things that are happening that we discussed earlier, good position to be in, especially at this particular time. So, Steve, we will have the link to the press release with all the details and the numbers in the description field below, which people can click on. Although if they have questions, we'd just like to talk with you or someone from the company to get a better understanding. Could you just let folks know the best way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all the information is on this website, but you can, you know, write us at info at silverbipermin.com via email, or you can call the office line and it has, you know, the various, um, ways to reach everyone within the corp the company but that's 604-687-8566 and then the list of extensions is on there but yeah please feel free to reach out and happy to chat and talk about what's going on with the company um and then you know as we continue to move forward we have the the canisil acquisition announcement that we're still working through our due diligence on it but that's again a very exciting thing that brings in a whole lot more of exciting projects that our geologists love into the company so there's lots of things on the go with the company right now. And we're more than happy to chat with anyone about, you know, what we envision and what we see for the future of Silver Viper Minerals. 
Well, Steve, I appreciate that. Appreciate you making some time to discuss the interesting things going on in the gold and silver world. And again, congratulations on the news. People can find out more at silverviper.com. And we will look forward to catching up with you again next month. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's always fun.